0: Welcome to The
1: Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your coach, Brian Buffini. The top of the morning to you, and welcome to the Brian Buffini show. I am so excited for you guys today. Many times I'll introduce you to guests and authors and people I read and enjoy. Uh, people have been asking me, "Well, Brian, who do you get coaching from? Who do you get help from?" And uh today's guest is been a friend for many years, but he's also been a consultant to me, a consultant to Buffini and Company, and in fact, Bill is why we even have a podcast business today. Bill was the one who suggested I do it, helped me design it and build it. And uh, what a treat it is to bring Bill to you today. So this is kind of a little bit behind the scenes. And uh, this is where I go when I need help. And Bill Hampton, he has a passion for a good story. And it led him to an early career as a music promoter. And eventually the vice president of Premier Speakers Bureau, where he promoted the who's who of the speaking business. One day, Bill, on a drive to... Tennessee and heading for Nashville, actually called a a local radio station and talked to the host of the show. That show was the Dave Ramsey Show. It was a local radio station at the time. And the next thing you know, Bill becomes a member of the staff, eventually the executive vice president, the chief marketing officer. And over the next 13 years, he helped the Dave Ramsey Show become the nation's largest syndicated talk show, reaching over 500 radio stations, millions and millions of listeners. Now, as the senior executive director of Spartan Capital Group, Bill provides tailor made executive recruiting and staffing solutions to both job seekers and employers. He's a graduate of Liberty University with a degree in public speaking and government. And like I said, Bill is the reason we have a podcast today. He's been a key ingredient and Buffini and Company coming out of the Great Recession. Bill was just a great confidant and consultant, really helped us uh, throughout getting to know Bill, become great friends. Love his wife, Amanda. She is a Southern belle. I love her to death. They have five great kids. Bill, it's my pleasure to introduce you to our audience. Welcome to the show you helped create, uh, Mr. Bill Hampton.
0: Brian, thank you so much for having me. This is special and uh, amazing to be on here to see the studio. And we had a lot of fun building that out and figuring it out. And approaching 300 episodes, yeah, that's unbelievable (laughs) to think. Over time, you just, you know what? One of my favorite things I I talk to so many businesses about is, you taught me. You put your best foot forward, and then you do it better. Yep, And that's what you've done with that podcast. Congratulations.
1: It's been neat. 12 million downloads. We're approaching the crazy stuff, and a lot of people encouraged by it. And I think they're going to be encouraged by your story today. And I'd love to dive in and kind of give folks a little background and uh, just a little talk on the early life and, and Bill Hampton, where you grew up and how you ended up where you are today.
0: Oh, man. Well, I, I grew up uh, a Michigan guy. I say I'm so I live here in Tennessee. So I'm not from the South, but I got here as fast as I could. <laughs> and I got to tell you, I, I I love the South. My heart's in Michigan, but I do love the South. This is as far north as I'm going. But uh, I, I set out to go to school. And as you said, I went to Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia, one of the prettiest states in the union, Virginia is, and um, I made my way. I was, I met a guy who hired me out of college to promote concerts, and so I did. I became a concert promoter in Atlanta, Georgia. Promoted shows throughout the southeast. That company ultimately led to Nashville because all roads lead to Nashville in the music business. And uh, from there, I, I just, is uh, uh, that's where I settled. I've been here in Nashville since 1995. Absolutely love it. And I'm a Vol through and through.
1: Yeah, and you know my wife is in the Lady Vol Hall of Fame, so we share that connection there as well. Now, you got into the speaking promoting business. You represented a ton of people, but I think you said one time, I knew it was time to go because you represented Art Linkletter. Like, I don't know how many hundreds of times you booked him, and you said, maybe it's time (laughs) to go. (laughs)
0: Well, you know what it was—is I literally got to the point where I could sell a speaker in my sleep. Someone would call uh-huh. and ask me about them, and it was like I could push record and yeah. just regurgitate my pitch. Yeah. And I just had—it wasn't—it wasn't driving me. I need a hill to climb. Yeah. And and that was just too repetitive of a business. So I loved it. I learned so much. I met so many neat people. Um, but it was time to move on.
1: And, I, and I've watched this in your life where it doesn't matter how much money you're making, how comfortable you are, how well you're doing. You've made these bold decisions throughout your career to take it to the next level because you're a guy who loves to grow. You want to grow. You want to do it profitably. You want to be of value. And maybe you could share a little bit. I mean, obviously, the Dave Ramsey show became a rocket ship, and you were at the heart of the NASA that put that sucker together. Talk about the 13 years in that environment and what you learned from that whole experience.
0: Well, as it was, it was, a, it was a special time there for 13 years. I was the 15th person hired on with Dave. And I remember when he called me to ask me to join his team. He brought me in and he, and he was talking to me. He said he needed someone to come in and run his radio team. And he asked me if I would do it. He knew I was a fan of what he did. I lived the principles. He was a good friend. I was a marketer. But I looked at him and I said, Dave, I don't know how the signal gets from the studio to the car. <laughs> I never thought about it. I don't know how radio right. works. And So Brian, you asked me what I learned while I was there. This was lesson number one. I'll never forget. He looked at me when I said that and he said, Bill, that's exactly why I want you. Because if you knew how radio worked, if you were a career radio guy You wouldn't believe we could accomplish what I'm getting ready to tell you I want to accomplish. He was not afraid of a bold vision, and he realized if I was a career radio guy, and he was right, I would have told him all the reasons it couldn't be done because I knew the business. But he just said, hey, I need guys who believe in me, believe in what we're doing, are like-minded, want to go change the world. And we'll 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 chart our own course in this. We're not gonna let guys tell us it can't be done.
1: At the time you said fifteen employees. How many listeners did Dave's show have at that time? Oh.
0: We counted everyone. Dogs, people, uh <laughs> not many. You know, the, the, the number one the number one question yeah. we got when I started talking about Dave Ramsey was, Who the hell's Dave Ramsey? No one knew who this guy was. And but you know the time that I spent there, as we grew it, as I said earlier, we put our best foot forward, and then we did it better as we learned. Um, I was thinking about, as I think about Dave and that, one of the greatest things that he taught us, and I think it's a lesson for all your audience, is there was a time after we've been doing this for four or five years, and Dave had been doing it probably seven or eight years, when a lot of things hit at one time. We were, we were on Oprah. We were on um, 60 minutes. We had a new book coming out. Um, all these things hit, and we had all this momentum. And Dave wanted his staff to know, especially the new employees, hey guys, this didn't just happen. We've been working at this a long time. And so he pulled the whole team together and he taught he came up with this what he called the momentum theorem. And the momentum theorem, says that focused intensity over time multiplied by God's blessing creates unstoppable momentum. See, a lot of people can be focused. A lot of people can have focused intensity in short spurts. They can hit something quick. But if you got to do it over time, every day, you got to show up. And then sometimes God just steps in and goes, I'll reward that diligence. I'll reward
1: that effort. And then you're off and running. But people needed to know that just didn't happen. I love the idea that the God's blessing part makes you hold it with an open hand. Like the focused intensity is bring everything you've got to it. And I know you a long time and you bring everything you've got to everything you've got. Um, but then the other side is to hold it with an open hand because you never know where it's going to go or how it can go. And like you said, uh, you know, by the time you left Lampo and, and Dave Ramsey's group, how many how many employees do they have today? Uh, over a thousand a thousand employees and, and and they no longer count the, the cats and dogs they're no no to the no, show. no
0: in fact they just um while i wasn't a part of this for the last several years but they were just they were just notified from from uh from itunes apple that they're the that they're the fourth podcast to exceed one billion downloads and couldn't be happier for them
1: well you learned a lot along the way and the reason i wanted to bring you here today because people are like hey i'm not starting a radio show i'm not doing that i'm not a speaker you're a guy who's helped move the needle when i think of you i think move the needle and uh there's an awful lot of people talk about it there's a lot of the people who write about it never did it i you know and you and i both been around this game a long time there's all kinds of leadership books and experts who never led anything and there's all kinds of people who talk about the theory of moving the needle who've never actually rolled up their sleeves and made it happen. You've done it throughout your career. I've been involved in doing it my career. And we've talked in, in many, 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 many conversations. But the areas that I've seen you help me, help organizations that I see really your sweet spot, is three areas of moving the needle. And that's promotion, sales, and growth. And and I think for anybody who owns any kind of business of any sort, uh, those three things are so critical. And I And I'm starting with promotion because so many people just have no idea of what that actually is. Um, and so I'd love you to kind of dive in and talk a little bit about how to move the needle when it comes specifically to promotion.
0: Well, Brian, I, I remember the first time I met you was in San Jose, California. I flew out to see your success event probably in 2015, maybe 14. But it was there that I heard you quote P.T. Barnum when you said something terrible happens without promotion. Nothing. And, and you know, I, I love that. and. Um, but you know that the truth is, I love where scripture says in Proverbs, it says, do not withhold good from someone when it's within your power to do it. That's why we promote. I mean, Brian, do you have you not poured 30 years of your life into creating the best curriculum and teaching and tools for realtors anywhere? And, and are they not better off if they use your tools and your curriculum? Their lives are going to be changed. They're going to sell more homes. They're going to serve more people. They're going to be able to live out their dreams. They're going to be able to change their life. If you don't tell people about it, it's wrong.
1: You have to. You're withholding good from them. You're withholding something good. And, and what do most people do? I don't want to be a self-promoter. I don't want to be an ego monster. I, I You know what I mean? And so what happens is, and everybody's, for me, organizationally, Because I've had this push with my own company for so long because the passion I have today, I mean, I I just did a broadcast with 25-year members who met me in ballrooms. And and some of the stuff I'd forgotten, one of them said, oh, you came to Miami and there'd been a hurricane and there were like 20 people showed up and that ballroom was later condemned and you know what I mean? And uh, the speaker went out and I was just relentless because I was so passionate. When someone looked me in the eye and said, I'm a single mom with two kids. I'm $60,000 in debt. Should I get into your coaching program? And I knew with all my heart they needed to because we were like the one place. We're, yeah, we're the best last chance you got. And sometimes you meet with people in the organizations and it's about production and about performance. It's about all these different things. But the, I think the one thing I've always gotten from you with promotion is a passionate exposition of the truth is to take what's the very best and the true. Most people think promoters are fakers. Most people think promoters are phonies. But what I've always gotten with you, and I think this is a critical piece, is the passion you have in promotion is you're pas- you passionate about helping us, but you did your homework on Buffini Company long before you came to work with us. You wanted to know that we were the real thing. You wanted to know that uh, you wanted to meet my family. You wanted to talk to Beverly. You wanted to see my kids. You want Is this guy for real? Because you've seen a lot that wasn't. Oh, oh
0: right? gosh, oh, gosh, Brian. <laughs> yes, coming from the speaker business, coming from the world that I, the, the many um, public figures that I've had the um, experience with, you learn very quickly. Look at look at a guy's family. Look at, look at who the guy is. That's how you know if the guy's for real or not. And of course, you've got one of the best ones. So, um, yeah, absolutely, did our homework. And uh, but yeah, you. If you have a business, I don't care. You know, someone might say, "Well, I'm come on, dude, I'm just a I'm a car mechanic or I'm a painter or I'm a plumber." Oh, oh, really? Really? If my car breaks down, let me tell you who the most important person in the world to me is. You, this this car mechanic. And let me tell you, if you ha- if you didn't promote your business and if you're not letting people know that you're the best dang mechanic in town, then right. you withheld good from me because I needed you. right Right? and so that's that is that's what that means
1: yeah so how do you go about it i mean because so many people they just don't have that gift but i know there's some techniques and questions you ask to help people identify how to promote something maybe we can share some of that
0: yeah well number one brian you have to know your audience Mm -hmm. you know i I love the saying all politics is local and what that means is in order to succeed in politics You have to know your constituents. You have to know their frustrations and their needs. Well, same with business. Number one, you got to ask, what is the problem that I need to solve? What is the problem my customer needs solved? Because ultimately, you're not really promoting your business. You're promoting the problem that you solve. Mm -hmm. And that's what people are wanting to know with that. So you you get out there. You get the word out there. A quick story on that is when I did start promoting the Dave Ramsey show many years ago, we started calling program directors and radio stations and we were telling them, hey, you got to carry the Dave Ramsey show. You got to carry the Dave Ramsey show. And nobody was listening to us. And what we learned over time is we were telling them to do something that they didn't care about. See, you have to know your audience or you will start answering questions that nobody's asking. Mm. So what we learned is what the question they wanted answered was, this is what it came down to. Hey, Bill, how will the Dave Ramsey show keep me from losing my job? And what they meant was, I can't screw this up. I've got limited time on my radio station. I need ratings and I need revenue. Mm. So how will the Dave Ramsey show help me from losing my job? And then we went, great, got it. We're going to teach your sales team how to sell the Dave Ramsey show mm. and make your radio station a lot of money. So we started answering the right question because we knew our audience mm. every business needs to do the same thing. you have to know your audience so you can answer the right questions right um, number two Brian, you've talked about this um, in fact I saw this recently on a on YouTube of you teaching on how to build trust confidence, and competence Mm -hmm. right so number one people want to know can i have confidence in you can i trust you no matter what you are Mm -hmm. you have to let them know here's the problem i solve and you can trust me you've got Mm -hmm. they got to know they can trust you right but then then they want to know can you actually do what i need done right and and so that's your competence and 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 confidence so then you got to get out there and talk about that um When you promote your business, I think it's very important, Brian, you gotta stand for something. Mm. Nobody wins in the margins. You win on the edges. Mm
1: -hmm. If you
0: think about you think about people over time that have created movements. Right. Created a a tribe, as Seth Godin calls it. A tribe of people that got inspired and moved. It's because they held they had an opinion agree with it. Don't agree with it. You know, great leaders. You hear people say, Hey, you might love them or hate them, but they're who they are. Right. 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 Brian, you do this every day. You, you have, you have an opinion. Now you don't mean to, you don't set out to offend. Sure. But you do have your principles that you stand by.
1: And right right is right. And you're going to, you're going to speak. And it'll run up against things. It will, you know, you just go along with the crowd when, when everybody was going a certain way, when COVID hit, And, you know, Mark Cuban said the market's going down 30%. People are afraid to speak out against that. Yes. I looked at the date, I look at the numbers and I go, it's garbage. It's the opposite. Real estate's a new toilet paper. It's going to be off the shelves. You won't be able to keep it on the shelf. And so you're right. That edges. that, But it's got to be rooted in your conviction. It's got to be. It can't be a phony thing. No. It's got to. And so I think it gets back to, you know, you got to know who you are and what you are and then go promote it. What problem am I solving? And then. You know you have to let folks know you have the solution right I mean you got to let them know I, I got the antidote here yeah and then ultimately how does it take hold? how does it go from being how does it go from being a concept to a brand? how does it ultimately take hold this promotion?
0: Well you consistently sell the message you consistently tell people over time every day you show up and let them know you can do it and mm-hmm. then Brian, when you get the opportunity you gotta deliver. You, when people give you a chance, when Mm -hmm. they say, great, I hear your message. I believe you and I'm going to give you a shot. Yeah. Then you have to be ready. I love the John Wooden quote that says, when opportunity knocks, it's too late to prepare. You have to be ready to deliver and, and people are going to give you a shot because people do have problems and they want that problem solved. You've put your message out there. They've finally given you a chance. Now you got to deliver. You got to you got to do what you said you could do.
1: I was talking about these twenty-five year folks that came to our program, right? And one of them, his name is Margaret Barton, little English lady, single mom, two kids, sixty thousand dollars in debt, and she takes the last space on her credit card to sign up for coaching. And I'm telling my staff, but it's like, man, we got to get all in on this guy. We got to support this guy. We got to deliver. Well, six months later, we're back in the same ballroom, only now instead of four hundred people, there's a thousand people there. I don't even know she's there. And, you know, we're grown as a company. Like today, I know where everybody's at. We have the feedback mechanisms and all that stuff. But I didn't even know this gal's in the room. And people are asking questions. You know how our events go. People raise their hands and we give them a mic. And in front of a 1,000 people, she said in this tiny little voice, you know, beautiful little English lady. She goes, Brian, I came here six months ago and I was broke. I was $60,000 in debt and here I am. And today, I'm debt-free and I have confidence and I have this... There was a line out the door to talk to her. I'm standing by myself. No <laughs> one wants to talk to the guy on stage. There's a line out the door to talk to her. And that event was one of the big events that got us going on this momentum to build what became the largest coaching company in North America. But like you said, you know, what was the problem? We, we let her know the solution. You can trust us. And then over time, consistently, and then you got to deliver. And when you do deliver, now the That's promotion right. turns the needle. It moves the needle, and it creates, and now it becomes a self-perpetuating deal where now all of a sudden, instead of one Margaret Barton in Northern California, I had 200 Margaret Bartons, and then a 1,000, and then 10,000, and then it was, man, you can't go anywhere without hearing about Buffini coaching. And so in our niche, we delivered, we delivered, we delivered, and the promotion ultimately was done that way. But I I just think, and and again, there is so much more you could give on this, and we could talk about it. I just think it is the most misunderstood aspect of business today. I think it's, it's connected to glitz. It's connected to showmanship or clever marketing. But what it really is, it's the passion to promote what you believe. And it's what you believe that is a solution yes. to people's problems. And it's done in a way that's authentic and real. And that's real promotion. And, and that's why without that, nothing happens.
0: And hey Brian, once you deliver people can't wait to tell people about you. Once you do a good job for people, right? it's no different than when you go to a great restaurant and you can't wait, especially in today's environment. People immediately go to Facebook and they post, Mm -hmm. I ate at this restaurant. And what they're really saying is, I ate at this restaurant. A, aren't I cool? I ate at this restaurant. And I want everyone to know how cool I am. And you need to go there too. They do it every day now with Man, this guy just gave me amazing service, knocked it out of the park. I've never had a better experience. The truth is, in today's environment, I don't want to make light of it. But, man, it's pretty easy. (laughs) It's pretty easy to get your brand out there today as opposed to what it used to be.
1: Yeah. It used to be a satisfied, excited customer told 17 people, and now they tell their whole database. That's right. And that's why it is. You know, something that's interesting, many of our competitors in the space pay for reviews, get reviews, da 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 You know, I've never paid or asked somebody to give me a review in my life. Mm-hmm. I, never in my life have I asked somebody to review something. Mm. Not this podcast, not when we'd hit the bestseller list, yeah. never. You know, some people say that's bad business, Brian. For me, I want people who are raving fans. Not. Not. I don't want people to say, I got what my money's worth. You've been to the event like a peak experience, and yep. people pay $3,000 for an event. I want them by lunchtime going the first day. Oh, my God. I can't believe I got everything I was hoping for. I got two and a half more days of this. Yeah. So right. right. You look at that event. People, a guy asked me the other day, he says, let me get this right. You have an event for a thousand people that costs three thousand dollars. That's booked up a year in advance. Yeah. And you cancel it for covid and all the people said, yeah, I'm going to stay with it. And I'm going to wait for the next one. Yeah. And that next one will be sold out before it even starts. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. They all want the end result. Right. I've been doing that. That that particular event started in 2003. They all want the end result, but what comes before that? And it's it's the promotion, it's the passion, it's the fire, it's the authenticity, and then it's man, you gotta deliver, and you get yes. that opportunity. What I love about you is, and we're brothers from a different mother, is that every opportunity we get, it's like the first one we ever got, <laughs> and it's a chance to go right. <laughs> and we and we're exhausted
0: <laughs> after a conversation because we're like, yeah, and then
1: and then, and then wait, wait. it's beautiful. Now, along with this promotion. You love moving the sales needle. And, you know, we live in a culture today. Everybody's dumbed down their words and changed their words and so on and so forth. And the word sales for so many people, so many people hate the thought of even being a salesperson. I love the fact that people say, oh, he's a great salesman. I I love that. Because to me, it's one of the most noble professions in the world. Without it, nothing happens. Every culture in the world that has a free country, it stands on a free market. And the free market is established by sales. sales. the movement of that product to this person. And people say to me, you could sell ice to Eskimos. Absolutely not true. I couldn't. I can only sell what I believe in. I only sell value. I can't sell ice to an Eskimo. I, I No, because I can sell heat to an Eskimo. You wouldn't sell ice because they don't need yeah, it. Right, right. So I want you to talk about moving the needle when it comes to sales. I think this is, again, another real sweet spot for you. You love sales like me. You have a great idea of it. And you have a great idea on a small scale and on organizational scale. So I'd love you to share some of your thoughts on this.
0: Well, Brian, with sales, it starts with belief. It starts with belief Ooh. in yourself, and it starts with belief in your product. And uh, the best way to have belief, I mean, we all know, you you we all have experienced people who are selling us something, and that's just what they're doing. They're just selling us in the negative sense of the word. And we know it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, dude, this is slimy, right? But mm-hmm. the people who sell, as you said, you wouldn't sell ice to an Eskimo because they don't need ice. You sell needs, mm-hmm. you solve problems, right? Is what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But the best way to have belief is to know your why. Simon Sinek had a great book. It starts with why. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. knowing your why, why are you doing it? You know, I read a, I, I, you know, like you, I love to read. And I, I read Henry Ford's autobiography, and an amazing, I mean, an unbelievable story. Um, just recently mm. watched the movie Ford versus Ferrari, which right <laughs> one of the best sales movies I've ever seen, ever. And if, if your audience haven't seen it, they'd have to watch it. But Henry Ford's story, it blew me away, Brian, that Henry Ford created the Model T because at that time, 1908, the average American, the rural American had never went more than 7 miles from their home. And Henry Ford, deep within him, wanted people to be able to travel. And he wanted to create an affordable vehicle and he wanted to create and he wanted people to be able to allow them to travel more than what they had traveled before. As a result, fast forward the next 18 years, the Model T They were creating 1,400 of those a day. And oh, by the way, Henry Ford happened to also be making about a million dollars a day in personal income Mm. as a result. But that's not why he did it. Mm -hmm. And the best salespeople have a deep thing within them to say, I need to get this product or this service Mm. or this tool in the hands of people so that their life will be better. And yeah, as a result... I'll make some money in the process and good for you, right? And good for you.
1: Yeah. And all salespeople should be motivated by that needle and that reward, by the way.
0: A hundred percent. So you got to know your why. And then you got to know your numbers. I I can remember, you know, knowing your numbers is all good salespeople know their why they know their numbers. Um, A good buddy of mine used to sell with Primerica, you know, Art Williams started Primerica uh, that came out of his why, uh, there's a great story behind that, that I won't go into, but, um, you cannot find a successful Primerica agent term life company. If you ask them, if you wake them up at three o'clock in the morning <laughs> out of a dead sleep and say, what are your numbers? They'll tell you 128531. Yeah. 128531. Yeah. They know their yeah. numbers. And what that means is if you make 12 calls, eight people will answer the phone you'll set five appointments, Mm. three will actually show up for the appointment, and one will do a deal with you. So great, so if you wanna make a $100,000 a year, Mm -hmm. and every one of those deals pays you $2,000 commission, then you gotta make 600 calls, 400 will answer the phone, 250 will set appointments, 150 will show up, and 50 will do deals, and you just made your 100 grand. But you have to know Mm -hmm. your numbers. You got to know your why. You got to know your numbers. And then the last thing is you got to go all in. You got to go all in. You know, I'm, I'm, I was talking to a buddy of mine recently and he told me he was going to run a half marathon. And I told him, dude, I've never known you to do half of anything. <laughs> well, he ran the full. Yeah. But, but you know, what I like to tell sales teams when I talk to them, Brian, is especially new salespeople do two years of work in 90 days. Do two years of work in 90 days. Fill that pipe. Just fill it and fill it and fill it and keep stuffing it. And you think you're going to die because you've done so much work in 90 days. But guess what? That pipe will eventually explode because it's so full and you will have residual business for so long that you just got to ride the wave at that point. But most people just trickle it out there they apologize for the call they they don't want to offend anybody they don't want to interrupt you have
1: to just go 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 it reminds me I'm trying to remember the parable in Greek mythology where the definition of hell was pushing yeah. a rock up a hill yeah only to have it roll back on your side every day and it was one of the Greek gods did something bad and that's what they were punished with and that's what so many people do they you know it's, it's a lot of work in football to go 90 yards. But it takes that, you know, that red zone, that last 20. They don't To get the ball in that last 10 yards, that's where it takes all the extra effort and all the focus. But when you do it, the rewards are enormous. And so many people push the rock up the hill, push the rock up the hill. They get a few sales. They make a few transactions. They're doing okay. And then they take their foot off the gas and boom, that rock rolls back on them. And they're in the same boat and they have peaks and valleys. I grew up. As a contractor's son, contractors live in the feast or famine mentality, Mm -hmm. and they Mm -hmm. come to believe that's the only way it is. When the market's hot, they're hot. When the market's not, they're not. And that's the same in my business, real estate, finance, mortgages, you name it, as opposed to this, that focused promotion, that consistency, and then here you go. You know your why, you know your numbers, and then you're all in. And you're all in to push the rock up over the hill. And I've never heard it said that way before, Bill. That two years and 90 days, it is kind of a scary thought. Anything. What I've often said to people is, you can do anything for 90 days. You can do anything for 90 days. So what if you go all in for 90 days and actually push the rock over the hill? That's right. Now you're riding the rock down the other side. Now you've got momentum. Now you've got referrals on referrals on referrals. And now it's like, man, I can't stop it if I tried. But most people, by the way, Mm. 8 out of 10 people have a fear of success. Only 20% of people have a fear of failure, and most people are terrified when they get the ball over the top of the hill, oh, my gosh, I won't be able to keep up. My first mentor in real estate, Gene Kuhlman, you'll love this story. He said to me, Brian, you do more than six deals in a month in real estate. It's just chaos. So for my first couple of years in real estate, I only ever did six deals in a month. That's the most I ever did. Then what happened? I got exposed to goal writing. And I wrote a goal about going home. My wife and I just bought a home. We just had our first baby. And I wrote out a goal. What I mean, it was Lou Tice's yeah. goals, you know, yeah. write it as if it's already happened. And it was like, okay, and I want to take my family, and I want to get all my brothers and sister together and pay for a house down in the west of Ireland. And we go there for 10 days, and my parents get to meet their grandchild, and this and that and the other and whatever else. And, you know, there was no Zoom or FaceTime, Skype, so my my parents weren't going to see their grandkids, you know, the first grandkid. And then I wrote out, what happens if I don't reach this goal? And it was like, what if my parents died and never got to see their grandchild? Mm. I mean, that tension, Mm. that dissonance was so high. I booked the trip that day on an American Express card. Now, I just bought a home. So we just emptied our savings. Mm. But I looked at it and I go, hang on a second here. I need 13 grand to pull this thing off. I have 15 days until the bill comes in. I have 30 days from, because American Express, you got to pay the bill. I had 45 (laughs) days to come up with the money. Guess what happened? That month, I sold 13 homes. The next month, I sold 12. I did four times the business in two months that Gene said I could do. And all of a sudden, I went, hang on a second here. My arms and legs did not fall off. This was not actually overwhelming. I actually allowed me to hire an assistant. And it was easier to do 13 deals with an assistant than six deals by myself. And then I started doing those kind of numbers Mm. every month. And that's why this whole dynamic you're talking about, know your why, know your numbers, go all Mm. in. That two years in 90 days, I think most people are terrified of it. And that's why what gets people over the fear of it is having a compelling goal. A compelling goal that all of a sudden, the fear goes away. I had no time for fear. I had 45 days to pay American Express. That was the fear. And you know what? I went on that trip and I've been all over the world. That was the greatest trip of my life. It was also a trip that was paid for before I went. And when I came back to San Diego, there were referrals out the door waiting for me because of all the work I'd done and all the lead generation, all the promotion, all the sales I'd done in that period of time. My pipeline was full when I came back.
0: You'd created momentum.
1: You created momentum, right? Exactly what you're saying right here.
0: And you know, the thing about momentum is when people have it, they look better than they are. when they don't have it, You look worse than you are, (laughs) but, but, you know, there, there are people out there and you're like, how's this guy doing it? Well, he's got momentum. And you know what? The truth is he's not that much better than you. He just did the little things. And you know what you're saying about that trip is I love the Walt Disney quote that said, everyone needs deadlines. You know, Walt Disney, everyone needs deadlines. You had a deadline. You had to, it wasn't an option. And and look what it, it created. It, it was the, it, that was the impetus that drove that drove your momentum. A
1: goal is a dream with a deadline. And that's that's the truth of the matter. Yes. So we talked about moving the needle with promotion, and the essence of that that I got today from Bill Hampton was passion. We got the essence of moving the needle with sales, and the essence of that was belief. Now I want to talk about the sexiest part of this, which is growth. I know you're a personal growth guy. You're a grow the business guy. If you're not moving the needle, you're not involved. That's what I know about you. So, talk about growth and how to ultimately move the needle.
0: Well, Brian, first of all, you got to start with growing yourself. I love
1: John Maxwell's
0: 22 Laws of Leadership, the law that says the law of the lid. And what Maxwell says is, your the organization can only grow as high as the leader's lid. The leader is the lid on the organization. So, if you want to grow your company, You have to grow yourself. It is, it's impossible for your company to grow beyond the leader. It just, it just doesn't happen. And so, you know, not telling you anything you don't know. I love the Charlie Tremendous Jones quote. In 10 years, you're going to be the same person you are today, except for the books you read and the people you meet. And if you got to grow yourself, you have to read. It's just a fact. You can listen to audio books. You can read and and i would encourage your audience to start with the e-myth. you probably had gerber on but
1: yeah that recently you want to grow
0: your business you start with the emyth it's it's one of the best and um and then i and then in today's world especially i think it's so important for people to cut out the distraction you mm. have to be able to think about your business mm. quietly i love mm. the i love the the quote that says all men's miseries derive from not being able to sit in a quiet room alone. Mm. <laughs> you can't do it anymore. Yeah. I, I was sitting with my kids this morning and I, and I woke up this morning with this weight on my chest because I realized that last night we were sitting watching American Idol or something, but every one of us had our device. Mm. We were watching it, but we also had a device. Yep. And yep. this, and it took me about one night's sleep to wake up this morning and go, Hey guys, this morning at breakfast, I went, Nope, that's not, that's going to stop. Right. We're yep. not going to do that. Yep. And you got to cut out the distraction. So you got to, you got to grow yourself in order to grow your business. Right. After, after you grow yourself, which, which your audience has gotten gets from you every single week with your podcast about how to grow yourself. Then you got to grow your people mm. and. It it, it, and there's a sequence to this. It has to be in order. Just like stability, success, significance, right? It has to be in order. And so once you grow yourself, then you can grow your people. As Jim Collins says, uh, you gotta know your people so you can get them on the bus, get the right people on the bus, and then get them in the right seats on the bus. Right. And so and you only do that by knowing your people. And uh and Brian, what I would tell your audience about growing your people is Just like you encourage people to break out your database from A pluses to D's, you got to do the same thing with your employees. Yeah. You have A players and you have to, uh, reward your A players. Uh, Jack Welch, you know, former chairman of GE, one of my favorite business leaders in their organization. He talked about differentiation Mm -hmm. and he said, you reward your players who are consistently knocking it out of the park. That's your top 20%. You reward them. Your middle 70%, they're the ones you coach and, and they're the ones you get to that top 20. You give it all you got. Your bottom 10%, you gotta move them on. Mm-hmm. Because here's the problem with keeping donkeys. Your thoroughbreds are gonna leave. <laughs> yep. It, when yep. you, when you, when you keep those guys around, they suck the energy out of your organization. Yep. And your A players will eventually go, forget this. And the problem is your A players are the ones that leave because they know they can do it somewhere else. And and your Bs and Cs, they hang
1: around. I, it happened to me in my real estate career. My real estate career, I was started in a little office and I was so thankful to this. I mean, you hey, look, I'm an immigrant. I get a chance to go learn the business. I joined this little office. And as I grew and became more successful, you know, again, the broker at the time, she was doing the best she could, but she... She was catering to the non-performers. And, and as I became more successful, instead of celebrating that, they became resentful. I ke- became to the point where I was no longer telling people how much business I was doing because I was, I was feeling alienated mm. by success. And I didn't want that. And I'm a loyal person. I didn't want to move on. And then I, I'm seeing more and more of the toleration of the bottom. And I started looking around. And sure enough, in town, there was a company 10 times the size. And I was the big fish in the small pond, and I went and I became the small mm. fish in the big pond until I became mm. the big fish in that pond. And I grew, and I I grew, and it was exciting. And I I and I was around like minded people, and when I did well, they high fived you down the hall because they were comfortable right. enough in their own skin. And I remember the day that the out of business sign went on that real estate office where I started my career, and I was I I, I wasn't guilty, but I was forlorn. And I was like, man. It was a good lady. She really meant well, but she constantly mm. catered to the bottom, as opposed to grow the top people, a- acknowledge, accelerate that that differentiation, and challenge right. others to get there. And don't to- don't tolerate you the can. bottom. Don't tolerate the bottom. It's like okay, because at the end of the day, I I will tell you truthfully, I have let people go who have written me some of the most mm. powerful letters mm. I've ever received as an employer. I've I've employed over four thousand people. You know, because there were times it was just this person, it wasn't the right fit or it wasn't the right time for the fit. So the fact of the matter is you can only grow yourself. You can only grow your people in direct proportion to growing yourself. And if people see that you're not growing as the leader, they're not interested in growing either.
0: No, people people want to be inspired. They desperately want to be inspired. They want to be Moved towards something and people will rally behind you and they will fight for you if they believe that you care about them and that you are growing and that you're pushing. And you know, my, I'm, I'm down here in SEC country. I love college football. It's my favorite sport. And, um, our, our, you know, Mississippi state just inherited a new coach last year. My favorite coach, his name is Mike Leach and Mike Leach says you're either coaching it or allowing it to happen. And I tell my team that all the time, look, if we're not happy with what someone on our team is doing, we got to remember, we can sit around and complain about them, but we're the leaders. We're either coaching it or allowing it to happen, guys. So and we're the one letting them stay. So why are we complaining about them? Let's coach them up or get them out.
1: And I love Mike Leach. He's a quote factory. And and he talks about this. Oh, yes. One of the quotes I use of his all the time is when he talks about. You know your organization he talks about commitment. And he goes commitments like breakfast. He goes ham and eggs. He goes the chickens involved, the hogs committed. And yes. he goes you're either <laughs> if you're just involved, you're not getting it. You got to be committed. So you got to commit to grow yourself. That's right. You got to commit to grow your people. Ultimately, how does that manifest itself in growing your business?
0: Well, it's I mean, growing the business then is a byproduct of it. You know, Brian, the the as you grow, as you promote your business, as you work on your sales, as you grow yourself, as you grow your team, well, then you look up and you go, hey, we got something here. We we used to have mm-hmm. two people, and now we have three, and now we just added four. We got some profits. We got some revenue. Okay, now – and then you just continue to keep – then you get some momentum, and uh-huh. then you got to put some systems and some processes right. in place. And it just kind of grows from there. Your business grows from there. And I think, you know, I, I, I love the, as the business gets moving, people, you, you need to have the end in mind. You need to know what you want this thing to look like when it does grow. Uh-huh. You know, Zig Ziglar said, if you aim at right. nothing, you hit it every time, right? That's what. And, and right. So why are we building this? What do we want it to look like? You know, as we sit around and talk about our business here at Spartan Capital Group, we ask ourselves all the time, what do we want it to look like? Not just the business, but how many team members, how many producers, how many sellers, how many recruiters? What do we want our own personal lives to look like as a result of this business? How much time do we want to put into it? How much do we want to be making? How much are we going to pour back into our business? How much are we going to promote it? Do we want the biggest recruiting company in North America? Or do we want a business that's just going to provide, you know, what do we want out of it? We're asking ourselves those questions all the time because if you don't know what you're building towards, you're not going to get there. And so I I encourage people to, to know what you're building.
1: That's great. Well, we've talked about moving the needle with promotion. And that all got down to passion, moving the needle with sales that got down to belief and moving the needle with growth. And for me, that all got down to the lid. And if that lid is on you, you don't grow. If you don't grow, you're not growing your people. And if you're not growing your people, you're sure as heck not growing your business. And, uh, you know, one of the things we talked about uh, almost, I don't know, four years ago now when we talked about the podcast was ultimately um, I wanted to ask some questions at the end of this podcast that was a consistent set of questions amongst all these different personalities to get a little different flavor of life. And you always thought this was a great idea. I sprung this on you that I wanted to do this interview with you and you were like, okay, let's do it. So I want to do with you, Bill, what I've done with all of our guests today. This has been a great time. I got to be honest with you. So first uh, question I have for you, what's the single best piece of advice you've ever gotten? Hmm.
0: Brian, I would say it's the, the smallest of deeds is worth more than the grandest of intentions.
1: Ooh, you gotta say that again. The smallest of deeds
0: is worth more than the grandest of intentions.
1: Nice. Where where'd you get that?
0: You know, I, I genuinely I don't know exactly who told me that, yeah. but I can tell you I think of it often when I Yeah, quite frankly, when I write a personal note, or yeah. when I call somebody who's who needs something, or when I do I just think. How many times have I sat around and thought about doing something and then didn't? Just do it. Do it now.
1: The road to hell is paved with good intentions. So I love that. The smallest of deeds, better than the grandest of intentions. All right. What's the one talent or gift you wish you possessed that you currently don't?
0: Well, Brian, I'm a performer and I love country music. And boy, I, I wish I could play the acoustic guitar.
1: Oh, man. I we all we all just just want to be David Lally, right? We just all want to be David. Lally,
0: Isn't that the truth? There would never be a campfire where I would not entertain (laughs) if I had if I could play the acoustic guitar.
1: Isn't that funny? Yeah. You know, what's wild. So many people, so many accomplished people. We we didn't slow down when we were young enough to do that. And uh, now it now it takes extraordinary effort to learn the same thing. Oh, OK. What book has been most instrumental in your life?
0: Well, this this by far is the hardest one.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I you know I read so many
0: books that I struggle with this. I mean, most instrumental is the key word there. I mean, mm-hmm. how do I not say Scripture sure. when it's the most instrumental book? Yes. But I feel like that's a little bit of a cop out because that's an easy one. Yeah. Um, I, I will tell you that the business book. I mean, I can talk about Steve Jobs' book, and I can talk mm-hmm. about these books were inspired me, but I'll go back to Jack Welch, he, his autobiography. I love autobiographies. Mm-hmm. It's called Straight from the Gut. Yep. And it's one of the best autobiographies I've ever read. Uh, to this day, it's probably my favorite business book. And yes. it had a big impact on uh, how I led business and how I look at business.
1: Mm-hmm. That's great. Not a bad guy to emulate, Lord have mercy on him. Okay, uh, let's say that you don't have your devices on. You're scrolling through the channels. What's the one movie you watch over and over? You always stop when it's on.
0: Well, my kids know this because it's always on and I always watch it. And that's Rudy. Ah <laughs> Uh listen, I know you know Dan Rudiger, I yeah. know you've had him, and yeah. I don't know if the movie's true when it all comes down to it. Yeah, all I it is. know is, it is. The movie's true when that dad when his dad walks in that stadium and says, This is the most beautiful sight these eyes have ever seen. Yeah. I'm gone. Yeah. The rest of the movie, yeah. I can't talk. I'm verklempt. <laughs> I I just, when Rudy runs on that field, yeah. I can't, my kids laugh at me. They stare at me because they yeah. wait for me to start crying. <laughs> but I can't help it. I just am so moved by yeah. that movie.
1: No. and I, Okay. I'll give you a little backstory because I know Dan pretty well. So like there's scenes that, you know, they, that all the players put all their jerseys down and say, I'm not playing if Rudy doesn't play. That didn't exactly happen. But here's the thing. He was in the steel mills. That did happen. His best friend did die. He did have to go to Holy Cross. He did sleep on the premises. Now, eventually, he was sleeping in the dorms with everybody else, but he did sleep in the caretaker shed. He did get in for the last game. He played seven seconds of football. He did sack the quarterback, and he was carried off the field. Wow. Well, enough said. I'll add two pieces to this. Joe Montana, who I've interviewed, said, He goes, you know, I spent four years being an All-American at Notre Dame. He goes, Rudy had seven seconds of football, but he's all anybody thinks about when it comes to (laughs) Notre Dame. But, you know, God does stuff like that with a person. Here's the key story. I think you'll love this. At the end of the movie, it says uh, Rudy was the first guy in his family, you know, big, big Irish family. He was the first guy to go to college, and then all his brothers followed him. Mm. The very factory that his dad wanted him to come back to and said, hey, give up this nonsense, and come back. Come back to where it's safe. Come back to where it's known. That factory, within five years, went out of business, and his dad and his brothers never worked again. But all Rudy's brothers that followed him to college had careers and still have careers today.
0: Wow.
1: And how he got the movie made was probably even more inspirational. He went to the guy that made Hoosiers. Yes. And and he chased the guy down and chased the guy down, and the guy wouldn't see him, and he, he stalked the guy. And then he finally got in front of the guy, and the guy said, okay, I'll make it. So, wow, amazing. And then amazing. I had Rudy and Lou Holtz at the same event, and Lou Holtz was the guy who had to sign off on it because they actually shot that during halftime of the Notre Dame-Boston College game. Are
0: you serious?
1: They didn't have CGI back then, so they had to film it. It was 1990, and it was Boston College. Notre Dame was up like 42 to nothing, and Holtz allowed the halftime to go on by 15 minutes longer. And I had those two guys together. It was the first time they'd met. So I've given you more, but No, I love if you it. That's w- great. watch it again and cry <laughs> even more. It's I even better. I will. Last thing here, Bill. What's one last thing on the Bill Hampton bucket list? Well,
0: you have gotten to do this. Uh I can only think of one thing, and that is you know I love golf. I'm gonna be with you in a few weeks. We're gonna play. Yep. It's Augusta National. To to play at Augusta National, I can't think of anything that I would want to do more in life than, I mean, when it comes to bucket list things, that's it. That is the Mecca.
1: Here's what I'm going to say. It's exciting for me to bring such a close friend onto the show today. You know, you've helped me so much. You've helped Buffini and company so much. So many people have been blessed. This podcast, the 12 million downloads, this podcast doesn't happen if Bill Hampton's not Mm. bringing the passion he brings. The Emigrant Edge would never be a New York Times bestseller without you. But above that, my life would not be as rich as it is without you and Amanda and the kids. And we love you guys. And I'm so proud of you. I thank you so much because I think a man who's spent his life moving the needle has helped people today understand that promotion is not some schmaltzy thing. It's about passion. That sales is not something to be shied away from. It's your belief. And don't put a lid on your growth and you become who and what you want to be and and live the kind of life you want to have. And been a great pleasure having you today, pal. You're, you're the best.
0: Brian, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Love you guys. And uh, let's do it again sometime.
1: Let's do it again. And in the, I'm going to leave us tonight with someone who knows all about moving the needle. In fact, she's a world class knitter, and that's Therese Buffini. And she's going to leave us today with a little Irish blessing. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields. And the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.